supposed to be doing that? Okay, sorry. Okay, we're starting now. Welcome back to Double Daria. I'm Kat. And I'm Sarah. And our guest today is Daniela. Daniela is in the vegan straight edge band With War. And they also do a lot of different activism work with volunteering in the state of Washington, as well as now going to school to eventually go to med school to also help those who are less fortunate. Daniela, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to start off kind of by talking about um, your experience in hardcore. How did you get involved in hardcore? Um, and, you know, what what currently are you doing within the hardcore scene, like with war? Okay. Yeah. So I first got involved in hardcore just through punk in general. Um, in junior high, I had friends who, you know, we all just listened to radio punk, rancid, uh, bad religion, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And we started going to, to local shows, um, seeing friends, bands play, that sort of thing. Um, and then I became a teen parent and kind of withdrew from going to shows and didn't really have time for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I came back really as like from joining bands like meeting people online deciding to join bands with them and then kind of getting involved in the scene through that okay yeah so i um i play guitar in with four uh we all met um virtually well i met tish just like through instagram following vegan straight edge people and they had put out a zine that I liked. Um, so yeah, I got, that was kind of my reintroduction to the, to the scene nowadays. Okay. And so have you always kind of claimed vegan straight edge? Like how did that come about for you? Um, I didn't really start claiming it till, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't pick an exact date (laughs) because it was, it was like as a, teenager it was like mm-hmm. an ideal for me that I um um I don't know I felt aligned with okay. and it took I don't know it took a while to figure out like like especially veganism as like a teenager what is it how do like how do I do it um I didn't know any vegans mm-hmm. um but that was like before the internet was so much of a thing it was like dial up you know limited resources Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like no cell phones at the time yeah so um and I didn't know you know I had a vegetarian friend um and then straight edge was something I had heard of from 
uh, randomly picking up a minor threat tape on clearance <laughs> at a record store that was going out of business when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15. That's awesome. It was, it was a whim and I listened to it and I really liked like what they were talking about. And I had not met other people like that. And it was about the time where, you know, some of the friend groups were starting to like try drinking and experimenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was like excited to hear music that, you know, aligned with that. But I, I didn't know anyone who listened to Minor Threat. I didn't know any straight edge people. And when I looked up on the the limited internet, um, I, I read up on, uh, the way I read up on it was uh, it made it sound like it was this time in history. Like it was this historical thing mm. that Straight Edge was. And so I was like, oh, I wish that was still a thing. You know, I was all disappointed. <laughs> and I was like, maybe someday I'll bring it back. And then way later, <laughs> yeah, a few years later, um, I... I like started going to shows here and there after my son was born, um, not very often with a friend. And she had talked about, oh yeah, the straight edge kids. And I was like, straight edge, like straight edge, straight edge. And I was just like mind blown that people existed. And, um, but uh, I wasn't, I like didn't drink. It was like not a thing I was into, but I wasn't claiming edge. And I didn't, I don't know, it was this sort of thing. Like if there's a toast at a wedding, sure, I'll participate. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it wasn't until really like I started being vegan and not being like weirdly sneaky about it that I started <laughs> feeling comfortable claiming edge because it was okay. like, okay, I just need to come out and so I don't run into these awkward situations. I'm just like straightforward and plan ahead. I don't have to worry about having to like, I don't know, navigate potlucks or group events that sort of thing yeah Um, and did and did you um like was the was the internet like the current state of the internet (laughs) was that a way that you were trying I would imagine being kind of like a a younger mom um -hmm. trying to find people who are also kind of held those same ideals as you just out and about is a little more difficult. So was kind of the internet the way that you would try oh, to yeah. meet people? Yeah, the internet was huge. Like um my like when I was in high school I had, you know, like my best friend that I would go to to shows with and she moved away. And mm-hmm. so th- then I I didn't really I don't know, I didn't like have my own connection to the community outside of her. And that coupled with yeah, being like a single parent and yeah, that made it difficult, but uh, yeah, nowadays you can just like look up the hashtag straight edge or XBX or whatever and find other people or I don't know, like really a big reintroduction was randomly looking at my phone and seeing what is this app that is podcasts and I like clicked on it and then I started um, just randomly looking up topics and then it's like, oh, there's podcasts that talk about things I like. And then, yeah, that kind of, I don't know, helped connect me to, um, yeah, bands and knowing what's going on, that sort of thing. I love that. That's really cool. And yeah. so that's how you met Tish and how you guys mm-hmm. became with War. Tell us yeah. a, a little bit more about with War and kind of um, 
how you all started, what's you, the hope as a band, like what do you want people to know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we started um, from, I think it was maybe three years ago. Uh, it was around the time of Thanksgiving. Um, Tish was posting about, you know, frustrate. It's all, you know, it's a frustrating mm-hmm. time of year. Um, and posting about, uh, you know, feelings and really wanting to, to front a band where they could talk about all the, you know, injustices and, you know, how people are unaware of things and everything going on. And it was um, around the time where, uh, oh, man. I don't, I cannot remember the name of it right now. Um, I'm thinking like no dapple, but that's the. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Standing Rock. Oh, yeah. Standing Rock, the Dakota Access Pipeline. Yeah. That was getting a lot of um, media attention. And um, so it was, you know, becoming more in the forefront of like people who weren't directly involved or, yeah, outside of like activist circle or, um, so that was going on and yeah, they said that they wanted to front a vegan strategy band, you know, reach out to them if you, you know, were interested. And yeah, I reached out to them. I was like, I don't live in Portland. I live in Seattle, but I play guitar and I would love to do this. And Very cool. Yeah. And so a lot of people might know, but Tish is indigenous. So yes. indigenous issues are a huge part of mm-hmm. with war and what you all write about and talk about. Um, yes. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Like, what is the hope um, for people to learn about indigenous issues within hardcore? Because that is something that is, like, not common in any way within hardcore, right? Like, that's yeah. just something that people don't really talk about. Probably one of the you know, one of the topics that's least discussed within hardcore um, mm-hmm. compared to some other issues. Yeah, so um, the, I mean, I don't want to put words in Tish's mouth, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to, um, yeah. but really, you know, it's, it's centered around them being able to speak, you know, like a platform for them to, to express their feelings and um, share what they are going through. Um, you know, have representation in the community for other indigenous people to like, feel like, oh, I belong here too. I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of people like me. And and here's a person in a band talking about things that are relevant to me. So um, primarily, you know, it's, it's for other indigenous people to like have representation and to, you know, talk about things that you know are important to them give people hope and inspiration um i would in talking to tish that sounds like that's the primary that's the primary thing we've had conversations about it's like not for you know white people yeah Um, but in doing this you know we are educating people and it and it does become you know a big part of it because yeah we're mostly singing especially like in the pacific northwest it's Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we are singing to people who don't know a lot about this. And so they're learning and then they're coming up to us afterwards and asking questions. Um, So, yeah, we're educating people as well. Yeah, that's great. 
And every show you play, you always, you all always do um, a donation jar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, unless it's a benefit show. Yeah. Yeah, because we're just, you know, we're not in it to like make money. Like this is like a hobby for fun. And if we can just use this platform to help other people or help draw attention and support other, other causes. It's the primary thing. Plus, it's like super punk to do. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I know we're in the middle of COVID, and I know that mm-hmm. Tish is also going to have a baby shortly. Mm-hmm. What are your like? What are you all hoping to be able to do as a band? Have you talked about like the future of With War? and kind of where you stand and like what you hope to be able to do yeah so I mean we definitely are still excited to to continue doing things um COVID has made it you know hard you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh not a lot has been happening we've tried like you know virtual virtually meeting um we've tried like some of you know not all of us together but like very you know strict like social distancing mask wearing uh mm-hmm. like recording but uh, yeah that's kind of that's hard to do and we're not doing that now um yeah so yeah everything's just kind of you know we're we're not wanting to start planning things without knowing what's going to happen so you know when people invite us to like book shows we're like we don't I don't, we don't want to start planning, hoping COVID's over when it's not over. It's just like unnecessary yeah. stress. Um, yeah, yeah. And so we have little things here and there. Like we're, we're hoping to put out a, one of our live sets on tape. And oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah. And we'll like put out benefit shirts here and there. I know yet like talked about benefit shirts <laughs> in a previous episode. I, I feel like you all are very different with regards to that, though, because oh, okay. this is what you do and who you are as a band. I think that that's that's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And then sure. uh, putting out releases like previously recorded releases on on comps, you know, just little things like that, that like the limited things that we're able to do with what we've already what we already have. That's good. That's good that you're finding ways to still be active without um risking any any mm-hmm. health or safety issues so yeah 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 that's but, really great yeah but we're um we've been in the process of of writing and hoping to record soon but that you know covid yeah. so so we're not there yet we're working on it or well we're not really now i mean we're sort of but <laughs> i feel like that's the case for so many bands right now it's like we have these ideas that we will do eventually, but they're just, yeah. you know, great ideas for now. So, well, that's good. I'm glad I'm excited for whatever, whatever with war does next. I know, you know, when we were able to play with you all the first time I saw you was when we played Seattle for the first time. And um, it was really refreshing it was a you were a refreshing band to be around and to to see what you all stand for and know that you all live by that like it's really genuine um and I think that shows in like 
who, you know, for those out there who don't know, I know Daniela well. Um, I'd say they are one of my good friends here in Washington State. And um, so, yeah, I just know who you as a person and what you care about and how you live your life. It's really genuine that it is about other people. Um, and that's Thank probably, yeah, a good segue into what Sarah is <laughs> going to talk to you about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it's from everything that I've heard and that we've sort of briefly talked about, it seems like helping other people, activism has been just at the sort of core of your life for a really long time. And your kind of activism resume is is impressive. Like you've done so much. And um, maybe you can just start by just telling us how that came about. When did you sort of start getting involved in, in activism? Okay, yeah. So um, I guess it started as a, a teenager. Uh, one of my good friends, I, I mean, I, I think I was inspired by her. Um, her family was very progressive and would do volunteer work and this and that. And it was like one of the only people I knew that actually recycled at the time. I know that's you know, not a big deal, but <laughs> I remember being excited about it. And um, uh, yeah, just being inspired by that. And as a teenager with, you know, limited resources like transportation, this and that, I would try things here and there, like, you know, helping um, my friend's grandma volunteer at a food bank and mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in co community college, I joined a human rights um, student-led group. So I feel like maybe that was like my first real, um, you know, introduction to activism. Uh, it was like right after 9-11. Uh, and so mm -hmm. talking about the Patriot, Patriot Act was like a big thing. And we did something with books, not bombs. And... So I did that for a while, but then I had to take a break from school because work and parenting. And yeah. I didn't um, I didn't really get involved again until after I graduated, I went back to school, graduated um, and started working as a youth counselor. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know that's like a job and I don't know if that counts as activism but I think I so like yeah I think I think we've talked about it before with being Kat and I both being educators like I of course you're paid for it and it's a job but you can bring your activism into any area of your life I think so I definitely yeah. think I agree with that yeah yeah for sure yeah so I worked um as a counselor um it was a behavioral rehabilitation program and also like interim care. So the kids lived there. Uh, and um, I learned a lot. And I would say like, I tried to take what I learned and share it with the people around me. Mm -hmm. um, just so they know, like understand what's going on in the foster care system, how things work. There's a lot of stuff I, I didn't really know until I got involved. Um, so just, yeah, taking what I learned in that position, sharing it with the people around me, trying to do my best to, like, help kids. And after that job, I worked in a um, therapeutic child care facility. So it was, like, the same group population of kids but younger. And that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Young kids are fun. Um, 
And uh, I think probably a little bit easier emotionally because it was more preventative than hmm. dealing with like the after effects of abuse and yeah, trying to help kids unlearn things. And this was like, while the kids had open CPS investigations and they're really young. And so it's like easier to um, try to help heal things before the trauma is like set in in such a way that's like harder to um, do I don't <laughs> no, that, yeah that, that that makes sense I guess the the younger you are when you start trying to process and find coping strategies for those things the kind of after effects of trauma the better and yeah I can't it must be really hard working with older older children older young people where mm-hmm. there's so many layers of it just I guess it's it's more work for them and for for you to process all of that Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, during that time, yeah, I would uh, yeah just share things with the people around me. You know, this organization's doing a fundraiser, or um, yeah, I would do that. And then uh, yeah, I changed jobs, and uh, I was working a job that was not really necessarily aligned with my. I wouldn't say not aligned with my ethics, but it wasn't a, a helping profession. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to find ways outside of work to get involved. Um, I started with joining the little like employee groups. Like, so they had a, a group for queer employees. And uh, through them, I started volunteering at a, a youth center for LGBTQIA plus youth. Um, we would serve meals once a month. Uh, and that place is called Lambert House. Um, it's a community center. They offer um, a place to stay, food, uh, resources, uh, like small group therapy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good organization in Seattle. Um, so I volunteered there. And then uh, I, I started volunteering with ACLU, but very um, loosely. Like I was on the volunteer list and, you know, all help table for them. But I... I don't know. I wasn't like that involved. I mean, I still, I'm still on the volunteer list, but, um, and then it comes in waves. I think stuff like that, you sometimes yeah. you're the front, sometimes you have to pull back a bit. And it's usually the way with organizations you're involved with, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I went through a period of time where I was like, I want to change jobs to something where I'm directly helping people again. Um, and I had been listening to, uh, a podcast that had a, an attorney from, um, it was from, what are they called? It was, a it was a, an environmental, like legal group. Um, and they were also part of like, um, Oh man, I should have written down the names of these. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just felt inspired by like seeing like uh, people in the legal profession doing like work in civil rights, in like, mm. environmental work, and um, and it was also around the time where we had uh, uh what our Trump uh called the Muslim band. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and uh people just like sprung into action showing up at airports 
um, I was hearing about like lawyers showing up and just like offering to, to represent people who are being like held at airports. And I just was very inspired by just seeing like, wow, this sort of thing you could do like being a lawyer. So I was really interested in uh, studying the law. So I started volunteering um, to kind of like learn more. So I started volunteering for the uh, King County Bar Association. They have a program called Neighborhood Legal Clinics and they offer free legal advice to the community. That's amazing. Yeah. Such a great resource and such an important resource because you don't, I mean, in the UK certainly, and I don't know whether it's the same in the US, but you just, you don't get taught about the law and suddenly mm-hmm. you can end up in a system that you don't know anything about and yeah. having someone to advocate for you and support you when you find yourself in that system is so important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I still volunteer with them. We've had to change how we go about things with COVID, of course. So it's been switched to virtual meetings. Hmm. Um, so they have Zoom meetings. Uh, I know that that limits access to people, but then it also expands access to others because yeah. transportation is definitely a problem. Um, I know that that was like a thing they always had to keep in mind is like, okay, are there bus lines close by when they're trying to find like a new location to have it? So where I was volunteering was at the local library. We just like reserved rooms. They have private rooms there. And which was great because people could just, you know, have access to the library while they're waiting. Um, be able to like take what, what they gained and like what they learned and like, go on the computers and print out resources. And um, yeah, but uh, with COVID, the libraries are closed. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but I do like that it seems like, yeah, getting to places has like, and talking to people has been difficult. Um, you know, they show up late, we might not be able to see them and they, you know, talk about like taking the bus and getting a ride and how difficult it's been. Mm-hmm. So it seems like going virtual has helped with that, but then you also need internet access and the tools. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it can. I see. You know, it makes it more accessible for some, less accessible f- for others. But at least you've managed to keep keep it going. And what kind of support are you offering? Just advice about specific legal problems mm-hmm. people are having, or what kind of yeah. support do you offer through that? So they offer such a wide variety. I was in a clinic that was just um, it was just general. So I, I went for one that was the closest to where I was living at the time, and so they just offer general services. But we do have specific ones. Um, they have, uh, you know, for like immigration law, family law, uh, civil rights. Um, they have, uh, let's see, like, um, uh, oh man, what is the word? Housing, housing law. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like tenant rights, but there's probably a different word. Um, and uh, yeah. So they they offer a wide variety of services, but the one I was working on was just general. It was um, so people would show up with anything from talking about how there's the landlord's not taking care of, you know, rats or like mold um, to yeah, um, I think I had one. This was very surprising. One person showed up because their daughter was uh, had downloaded a song illegally and she was trying to figure out how to handle that. I was like, oh, that happens? Okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so a wide, wide variety of things. They, they don't re represent people in court, but they do offer legal advice. And then my job there, I'm not an attorney. Um, I help you know, check people in and we have a resource box. So I'll get a little bit of information about why they're there and then try to connect them with resources, um, offer them like information, brochures, uh, organizations, phone numbers, you know, email of like who can support them in a bigger way because yeah. we just offer legal advice, um, but they might need someone to represent them in court. Uh, but, you know, for some people, it's just things like, I got this notice. I don't know how to understand it. What's my process? What do I do next? Yeah, definitely, uh, because it's because scary any kind of legal thing mm -hmm. that comes through the, the door is is really intimidating especially I mean I don't have any real beyond basic knowledge of the law so when you see something like that it's it's intimidating and I and I guess it's designed to be intimidating so having mm -hmm. resources to support when you see something like that and I I mean has it changed over I know the way you interact with people has changed but the kind of I guess, problems people come to you with over COVID? Because I know there's been so much stuff, certainly in the UK, with, you know, people being furloughed or people just losing their jobs, not being able to work and not being able to pay rent. And I guess issues around housing have have increased. And I just wondered whether that was something you'd, you'd notice, like more people having issues with that kind of thing over... Well, I've definitely seen more information being shared about... Um opening up more, more availability for those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, but now that we've gone to like the virtual um, method, I actually don't get information about the specific cases. Um, I, yeah, so I, I really actually don't know. Um, mm. But I have seen more information circulating about, um, you know, little trainings and things like that for the attorneys that yeah. I'm just on the list also. So yeah. you said also thinking about changing careers, changing jobs mm -hmm. again to kind of help people and thinking about doing law. So mm -hmm. what came of that after you'd started volunteering with the um, King County Bar Association? Did Because I think from what we'd talked about before, you've kind of decided on maybe a different path now. So how did you? Oh, yeah. Um, so I uh, basically like I was all set to to start applying to law schools. I'd taken the LSAT, done my research, um, you know, looked up, you know, how to apply, how to figure out how to get, you know, um, the scholarships, because there's, you know, there's kind of like a method where you, you apply the first day and you, check, you know, get the high LSAT score. But so anyway, I, I was all set to do that. And, um, I just, I was running into these like little glitches where, okay, I need to move. Um, oh, uh, like my, part of it was preparing for my son to like turn 18 and you know, fly the coop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? Oh, maybe I'll go to law school. And I started looking that up and I kind of uh, was ready sooner than I thought, but then realized like, oh, it's too soon. You know, like I... I'm still, you know, still have a, a son who, like, this is taking up a lot of time. I can't just move across the country. I, I need to, like, hold off for a couple more years. And in that time, I just started, um, yeah, just kind of thinking, like, well, what if we, like, the legal system changes? 
what if uh, we get what we want, you know, and change like our, our system? Like, do I still want to, to do this? Like if, if there wasn't this extreme need, do I have this interest? Um, and I was just kind of feeling like, I don't know, I don't know. And yeah, I, one day I just, I don't know, it was like an epiphany that like, maybe I want to study medicine because that's <laughs> definitely a need, right? And it's yeah, a need, yeah. it's a need now um, for one, just like in a general sense, like you know, people mm-hmm. need help, help medically, but also there's problems in the healthcare system, you know, like discrimination and needing yeah, yeah. like representation, um, all that sort of thing. And it, it was also one where like, okay, if we get the world that we want and things change, like, is this something I would still want to do? And it's, it was like, yes, it's, it's something I want to do now, how things are currently. And it's also something that, you know, in a dystopian future would be very useful. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, people are always going to need medical care for, for sure. I mean, that's definitely always going to be a need that people have. And there'll always be a need for people who are empathetic and have a sense of bringing equality to to that kind of care which I think is something that I'm starting to see discussions about but it's not something that's discussed a lot like the like you've said the discrimination and and inequality in the medical care that people receive is it's horrifying when you read about it but it's just still not something that gets a lot of attention Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean that's my my new plan (laughs) um and I'm excited about because I've always loved well for one helping people but also um I have this interest in science that I'm excited about, like, oh, I get to go take chemistry and um, physics and biology. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and also, you know, with COVID and having my hours reduced at work, um, it's just like a good time to just to go back and, yeah, and start learning again. So do you have a sense of kind of where in medicine you want to go or is it kind of just open at the moment and see where it takes you um it's it's pretty open right now I I did kind of I know that I kind of needed to come up with like a, a more clear plan to to be excited for um so I was thinking I've always had this interest in brain like the hu- human brain brain science mm-hmm. and I thought like oh well maybe I could become a brain surgeon. I know that's like super competitive, but if that's kind of like the the goal that'll get me like excited to keep studying, because, you know, yeah. it's not just like, of course I want to help people, but sometimes I also, you know, having things that are interesting for me to learn as motivation, kind of, you know, it helps you with like signing up for classes. And um, so that that is like, roughly the direction I'm thinking um but I'm not too attached to it it's it's more like that like you know well they they have that saying what what is it like you um shoot for this what is I don't remember what it is you shoot for the stars and if you don't make it you'll be among uh, maybe I have it backwards (laughs) yeah yeah I I think I know what you mean I can't remember either but yeah aim I mean always aim high for for sure especially if it's something that motivates you and like why not I'm pretty Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty sure that that it's worth aiming as high as you as you think you can get, and if you don't quite make it, you'll 
in a less eloquent yeah, way than whatever still, phrase we can't remember you'll still end up somewhere pretty good yeah I mean I would I, I would love to be in a position where I'm helping people I don't have to be a brain surgeon but saying that I'm working towards being a brain surgeon helps me get through like the kind of like drudgery of some of the classes yeah um, yeah I think it's the same with yeah. most things there's a foundation of kind of more boring things you have to get through before you get to the stuff that's really interesting mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've also um, always been interested in, um, I guess, like healing sort of things. My grandmother was a healer um, and I always learned about like natural remedies, um, like herbal mm. medicines, that sort of thing. That was just something I was I grew up around um, and was always interested in. Uh, so this was like something that united this lifelong interest and I know like modern day medicine is very disconnected from well at least it used to be very disconnected from natural medicine sort of thing um but I feel like having that background will help balance maybe we'll see um yeah and it sounds like it's bringing sort of several different threads in your life together which can sometimes feel really nice and like affirming if you see all these strands coming together Mm -hmm. and leading you somewhere that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, Cause yeah, with, with law school, I was excited, but it just seemed like something was missing. Like it wasn't quite, it didn't connect basically all of my interests the way that Mm -hmm. studying medicine seems to. I mean, even with like uh, looking up what you need to be a surgeon, they were talking about people, um, who are musicians or like work with their hands, it's really helpful in surgery. And I was like, I'm a musician, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just silly little things that just seems to all come together with this. But I don't know, it's just, it's one of those, like, I'm excited for the journey. I have an end goal that I'm also very excited about, but I'm also enjoying the process along the way. That's great. It sounds awesome. Um, and you can, I mean, come back on when you're a brain surgeon and you can tell <laughs> us more about the, the rest of the journey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, um, so there was another, like kind of going back, there was another organization I worked with um, that I felt really excited about um, when I was uh, planning to go to law school um, that I wanted to talk about. That yeah, I go for it. Definitely. So it, um, so it was, uh, it was through the King County Sexual Assault Resource Center. Um, they had this program called, and it has shut down, um, I mean, not the resource center, but just this little program to shut down due to to funding, which is awful. But uh, it was called the, oh man, now I forgot. What was it called? Uh, um, Court Watch. It was the Court Watch program. And basically what what people would do is go in to sexual assault trials and like be present and take notes and be aware of what's happening. they would, and what we would look at is how these cases were handled. Like what kind of language are people using to describe specific acts? Um, And is it a language that is like victim blaming? Is it a language that is accurate? Um, Because some of the, I don't wanna go into like graphic details, but like some of the way things are described imply things that are untrue. Yeah, um, and it, it's just part of like how we're used to talking about things, like the way language is used. So we looked at that. We looked at professionalism in the court. Like, uh, is the 
oh man, ah, forgetting all the words. Um, you know, is the the person testifying, are they like being separate enough from the person that they're testifying against in the yeah. courtroom? Is, is this person able to like make threatening glances at them? Where's, mm-hmm. Where are the attorneys standing? Are they standing in a di- place that forces them to be looking at the person who has like assaulted them? Or are they standing in a place that makes them more comfortable? Little mm-hmm. things like how the courtroom's set up, how they're treated, the professionalism, what kind of language is used. So we would take notes on all of that. And then um, that would end up like being put together in a report that we would send back to the judges. And we would basically be rating them on how they're doing and giving them information on how they can do better. And it sounds amazing. But I mean, I still, I wonder, oh, I'm really interested to hear more about whether these judges were receptive to that feedback or not. Yeah, actually they were, they were very receptive and they knew who we were. Uh, like the, you know, like the people, um, kind of heading that, that organization, you know, new judges by name, uh, I had like the, was it the clerk? I'm forgetting all the names of like the <laughs> positions, but uh, you know they'd come up and they'd be like, "Oh, I, I know you're with this organization. Thank you for what you do. You know, I've seen this improvement." And then we'd have like reports on like the, like, we'd get like feedback on like whether or not people thought that it was like making a difference and. It seemed to be such a great program. It seemed to be like making real change. And I learned a lot just from like my training and experience there. There's a lot of stuff about the law that like is not, uh, that people just like, you wouldn't think like the law isn't what you think it is. Things don't work the way you think. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds so like an I amazing learned... project and a really necessary one. Yes. I've never, you know, I've never been in court during a case like that, but things that I've read, Mm-hmm. in the news online things like that it just sounds like some experiences that that people have in those kind of cases are just awful and mm-hmm. it, yeah things need to change and the, it sounds like an amazing project and it sucks that the funding got taken away yeah, yeah. um yeah and i mean i i would highly encourage people to maybe not necessarily sexual assault cases but to just go to court and sit in and watch because it's open to the public and just just to learn like how do things work um Mm -hmm. what is the process because it is very eye-opening to see like uh and then some things don't seem to make sense where there's like meetings where they dismiss the jury and then everybody talks about what they're not going to talk about in front of the jury on both sides and I was like what you're like withholding stuff but it was like a bargaining chip or whatever it just some of the stuff is just so um yeah unexpected it's I feel like it's good to learn because we're all held like you you know you can get in trouble for breaking the law when you don't know the law and so having some understanding about the process I think is is good yeah definitely like we were saying before you know you're certainly not here you're not I mean you kind of know things you should and shouldn't do but I don't understand still as someone who feels like they're kind of engaged with stuff, how it works properly. And cause you never talked about it. So any experience you can get in, in getting more of an insight into how the system, like you said, that ultimately could hold you accountable for something works is it's a way of trying mm-hmm. to get some power and agency in that system. 
And it was interesting you saying going and sitting in court is something that is kind of an active thing that people can do to help mm-hmm. understand that system more and give themselves a bit more knowledge and power in that situation. Because um, another thing we always ask people, and so I'm going to ask you it now, is what what is one thing or a couple of things, if you like, that people could do today to kind of make a difference or make a change? Oh, it's hard to, to think of just one. Um, More than one is fine. <laughs> Things people can I, do. Anything they can do is good. Um, I Well, you know, of course, I'm going to say, you know, consider going vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, but of, of course, like, um, I think taking time to reflect on yourself and your actions and what your values are, what you're aligned with. Um, is there something you can do? Uh, or, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be outside actions. It could just be confronting um, the way you think about something and um, considering changing your perspective or questioning why you might hold a belief just yeah. to kind of, for one, you know, dig in and um, I don't know, either strengthen something or challenge something to, to, to grow. Yeah, we don't, I mean, this society that most of us live in, it's not one that encourages self-reflection. So just even saying that and encouraging people to take a minute and just stop and think about what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Are my actions in alignment with the things that I say I believe and stand for? It's important to take time out to actually do that because it's not something that's really encouraged much by society more widely, I don't think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, well, one thing I did, uh, which I, I would encourage other people if they're interested in becoming more active in their communities is just kind of make a list of like, what are things I care about? What are things that matter to me? Make a list. Um, and then just think like, is there an organization or is there a way I can support or take action about these things? Um, and that like, the benefit, there's multiple benefits to that. Like for one, of course, helping people, but also it's a good way to process like your feelings and, and trauma, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to like do something about it instead of just being angry about how things are unfair or how you know, just so much injustice in the world and just holding on to, to all that anger. Like if there's a way you can channel it and, and turn that into like, okay, well, here's what I don't want, but now let's look at what I do want and how can I start working towards that? Um, how can I advice. contribute to that? It's really yeah. amazing advice. Yeah, it can be easy to sit and sort of dwell and get angry, but thinking about how do you turn that emotion into something productive is really good advice. Thanks. Yeah, I really love hearing you say that because I think that that's something where... Um, <clears throat> People often feel, um, I'm trying to think of it with regards to like a book I read for school. And it's like, you can do this, like people want a solution rather than this kind of um, inherent change. And I feel like that's one way of doing that, right, is by instead of feeling like I just need a solution to the problem, it's like, how do we actively change 
what we are doing and who we are in a way that will produce bigger change. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that you said that, Daniela, about everything that you just said about activism. Oh. It isn't so much about like, go join this organization, go to this website, do this. It's more so of looking inward at who we are um, and thinking about what's important to us and how can we use that to do more. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I, um, that was really inspired by I um, a book I was reading, or maybe it's a zine, talking about um, Zapatista uh, women mm. like in Mexico. And they, um, yeah, they were talking about like, instead of just trying to like, you know, appeal to your oppressors, like stop oppressing us, like you know, focusing on like building the world you do want instead mm-hmm. of, you know, t- talking about the injustice of the world you don't want. And so, yeah, for my mental health, that is like helped because it gets exhausting. Just like, you know, I mean, of course we need diversity of tactics hundred percent for sure. Mm-hmm. You still need to like speak up against injustice and, you know, encourage people to make change and like stop oppressing people. <laughs> um, but also, you know, instead of just saying, stop doing these things, you know, turning that into like, okay, now I'm, what do I want? You know, sort of like what the negative is, what, what is the, the thing I do want? definitely I can help help make it feel more sustainable too I guess when you're thinking about mm-hmm. the negative and the anger is it's important to acknowledge that and it can be fuel but it can also get really depressing and if you're doing something positive and building something positive as well it's it's helps sustain you and the people around you as well I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's not that whole idea of you know, and you hear this a lot where like, if you just think positively, everything will be fine. It's all about having a positive attitude. It's not that mm-hmm. as much as it is like yeah. what you said about like, it is exhausting to let negativity and to let all the wrongdoings that are happening kind of control your every thought. Um, mm-hmm. And so what can we do within our own community to bring mm-hmm. about change rather than focusing so much on the outer world, like what's not within our community, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to make them change. Right. And so yeah. when you, when you think about hardcore and I should have asked this earlier, but I feel like it's much more organic right now. But when you think about hardcore and the hardcore community, like, do you see these kinds of things happening within the hardcore community? Do you feel like it's a place that is doing more? Um, to oh, definitely. I, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, I'd say in a general sense, yes, definitely. I mean, that's what attracted me to, mm-hmm. to like the punk and hardcore scene was like the activism I saw, the, you know, the benefit shows, especially the bands that would like, you know, take time to talk about issues during their set um, yeah, uh, and speak up about things. Uh, that was the thing that really, you know, got me excited about hardcore. Um, so, and that is just like part of the culture in general. So yes. Um, although, you know, things change and it, you know, it's not always the case where, 
I think it is coming back and it, and in some scenes, it really depends on like where you are and what you Mm -hmm. find yourself around. But the, you know, the speaking up about issues, benefits, benefit shows, that sort of thing um, does seem like a a thing that is like either coming back or um, if not was always there, depends Mm -hmm. on where you are. It seems like it kind of wasn't for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. I think that um, maybe it was a complacency almost, you know, if you think about just kind of even just the state of the United States for the eight years that Obama was president. I feel like there was just this complacency and maybe people didn't think talking about these issues mattered as much, even though they were happening. Things were happening. It was just much more hidden than the last mm-hmm. four years with Trump, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, let's 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 talk about your current listenings. Okay. What are you currently excited about listening to? It does not have to be hardcore related. It could be anything. Um, but like, what's in this crazy year of twenty twenty? You know what what has been keeping your attention? I mean, honestly, I have not been listening to music as much. <laughs> I've been just, you know, like listening to lectures for school. And um, so, like, honestly, it's just been like friends, bands that I want to support that I'm making the time to mm-hmm. to listen to. I mean, I listen to your record and I love it. Um, but yeah, I, I guess with like without having shows, that was also motivation. Like yes. I'm going to this show. Oh, I haven't listened to this band that's also in the band. Maybe I'll check them out. Yeah. Or after seeing them, I loved them, and then I'll like follow up and you know continue listening to them. Um, but that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I've seen people release stuff on you know social media. I, I see stuff, but a lot of times when I'm on social media, I'm not. I'll have like the sound on. It's yeah. just like I'm scrolling at work in my downtime for five minutes. Yeah. So yeah. I don't end up, you know, following up. Um, so, yeah, it's really, um, and I've just been kind of like diving into school as a coping mechanism. Uh, yeah, not really listening to a lot. Um, I, I feel like that's a common trend amongst <laughs> a lot of people I've been talking to. Um, <laughs> uh, our guests as well. It's been... <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe we should exclude that question from this podcast. We should just change it. What podcast have you been listening to in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, I don't know. I think it's good to talk about because, you know, other people will relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. um, Maybe feel validated. So you mentioned way earlier about podcasts and how that was kind of how, you know, you were able to start finding out more about things you were interested in. Are there Uh certain podcasts that you really love that you would recommend to people? I basically don't listen to podcasts anymore either. Yeah, no, I I got into podcasts when I was working in accounting and doing just like data entry. Okay. Um, for a short period of time and so we were allowed to listen to things and it was just kind of like I could listen to podcasts for eight hours a day okay um, but yeah now other than you know I've listened to your podcast but there is a lot of podcasts I really liked that I just don't like can, I haven't been following up with 
I was listening to Gender Reveal, but okay. it's been years, so I, yeah, I think they do still do that, but um, that was one I really liked. Um, and let's see, I was listening to Best of the Left. It kind of like takes stuff from a bunch of different sources and puts them together. Uh, I feel kind of weird recommending podcasts when I haven't listened. <laughs> That's okay. But those are, yeah, two of probably like my top ones um, okay. back when I listened. Okay. So then understandably you're focused on school and not mm -hmm. having a lot of time to listen to other things. But let's mm -hmm. think back to all of these years of you listening to hardcore. Uh-huh. Who would you say are your top bands? Like, who well, is of all time? Like, what bands are really just, those are the bands for you? Um, I would say, like, mm, I really like Contend. Um, I would say Contend, Gather, Punch. Uh, and then more recently, Gloss. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the Gloss show is actually one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> um, I, I think that has, that has to do with, like, being in a space where I felt, like, safe and yeah. seen and all that. Because, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, it's just, like, an intersection of a lot of things. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then... Uh, I don't know. I feel like as far as uh, I, I know, not everyone likes um, youth crew, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're I speaking would... <laughs> exactly to me. I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, youth of today. Yeah. Youth of today was one that um, really kind of got me more interested in hardcore yeah. just because of, yeah. the like talking about issues and um, yeah, all the criticisms of like, youth crew like yeah, fatherhood <laughs> eldest I don't know if they really talk about fatherhood I don't have to think about it I'm sure they do but uh, yeah just like it's kind of this idea and like yes it is like kind of positive but I I don't know I liked that the attempt to be inspirational but of yeah of course it's you know like a bunch of white men <laughs> but like if I'm honest like over time like yeah and plus there's like bigger and easier to access if you're not yeah. like going to shows and in the scene yeah so first you don't have to like I can see you're feeling timid <laughs> about talking about how you like it that's your own uh -huh. opinion and I don't hold that against anybody and I totally get like those older youth crew bands and kind of like I I loved Chain of Strength like Chain of Strength was one of my favorite bands so I totally get mm -hmm. like like those are the bands that got me into hardcore because there wasn't a lot of representation of people like me in hardcore bands mm -hmm. in like the late 80s and 90s and stuff. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, there was Riot Girl music and stuff, but like hardcore, hardcore wasn't as much. So, you know, like I definitely understand like how those are important bands. And so. And, and when they use, I mean, I like Brotherhood. It's a band called Brotherhood. And I think that back then it was very different than it is now. And I'm sure that, you know, if, if you were to discuss those topics with 
older bands now, they would understand how it isn't as inclusive. And so um, mm-hmm. don't feel bad about <laughs> what what you like. And I totally get it. And yeah, you know, it is nice. Like the PMA kind of bands can mm-hmm. make you feel good and make you feel like you're in this little bit of a la la land sometimes. So, and, and like you said, it's good to not always be pissed when you were mm-hmm. talking about, you know, what we can do to make change. It's good to not always just be angry and to think about, you know, how can we pre- be productive with, with what we're doing to make change. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I've been so <laughs> judgmental about <laughs> this crew. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Daniela and I were going to start a a youth crew band. Uh (laughs) We were. Change the face. Maybe we still will. It ended up. Yeah. 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 Kind of like an ironic youth crew band. Yeah. We were going to call it. Never mind. I won't get into that now. (laughs) I want to hear this project. Maybe we still will after all of this, Daniela. I want to hear your satire mm-hmm. youth crew band. I think it would be great. <laughs> I just oh, think it would be fun, you know? But, yeah. 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 I think it would be fun. We should still do it. Okay. Cool. Once COVID's <laughs> over. Yeah, right? Get ready 2021. Well, soonish. Um, well, woohoo! 2021. <laughs> end of 2021. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, Daniela. Well, thank you so much for uh, being our guest today. I really enjoyed, I feel like you and I talk a lot, but I feel like just getting to listen to you like talk for an hour is really helpful for me to um, know you even more. So on a personal level, that was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So I think people probably, um, probably will take a lot away from a lot away from this episode. And so we'll post some of those resources that you were talking about um, when we post this episode as well. And okay. uh, keep us updated on, you know, med school. Okay. Yeah. Thanks and for yeah, having back me. You're a brain surgeon. Of course. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening um, to this episode here with Daniela. We really appreciate all of your support. Our next episode will air on Sunday, December 27th. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DDY Podcast. And if you want to get in touch, let us know about anyone that you think would be great to come on. You can email us to ddypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.